your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're going to be talking about the meaning of life. Yes, the meaning of life. Wow, that's a big topic. And it took a lot of research, I'm going to tell you. But um, I do know this. Meaning comes from the idea of us allowing ourselves to have relationships, to having trusting, loving relationships with other people. That creates meaning in our life. Meaning comes from an emotional connection. So when we have an emotional connection, let's say to our career, to our purpose, to our passions, to objects, to other people, when we have emotional connections, we are allowing ourselves to have meaning. The other thing that allows us to have meaning is very, very simple, but very hard for most people, especially people that are analytical. And that is to be present, to be just in this moment right here. This moment, no other moment, not ahead, not behind. We know where we're going. We have an idea where we're going, but we're, we're committing ourselves to be right here, especially when we're around other people, especially when we're doing productive things, especially when we're doing passionate things. It's very important for us to be fully present in the moment. And that's a very important aspect of life. And when you can do that, you embrace the idea of being able to experientially learn, taking leaps of faith, which is what life is. Life is one leap of faith after another. We, do, we can't control a lot of things. We can influence, we can influence, and that's good, but we don't control oftentimes outcomes. And so the bottom line is, is that we have to embrace experiential learning. And if we have the courage to do that, and we have the courage to place ourselves in that learning and enjoy that experience, we're going to find that we have joy in our life, we have passion, and we have peace in our life, and we have meaning in our life. You know, there, there, some would say, you know, there's no meaning in life outside of that which we can find ourselves as a species. And there isn't any kind of objective meaning that's written in the stars or in some holy book or anything like that. But, but yes, you know, something – actually in holy books, there, there are – ways to create meaning. There are understandings. There is hurts. There, you know, the tenor of your life is based on how much pain you're in as a person. And if you allow yourself to put yourself in painful positions, then you allow yourself to experientially learn working yourself out of the pain. And so that can be a very important thing. But, you know, what prompts people to complain that, that life lacks meaning is something like you're in a relationship, but the intensity you experienced in the honeymoon phase is gone, and you don't seem to talk about anything important anymore or share vulnerable feelings or ideas, and it, it feels as if you, you your life is meaningless. Or uh, you're single, and you're trapped in a marriage, you're trapped in a relationship. And so every time you see yourself, you, you, everything seems shallow. 
because the relationship you're in with your partner is shallow. That creates a lot less meaning in life. Also, if you're uh, 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 at a university, let's say, studying uh, for some kind of degree, you signed up for a course in part because you often feel confused about who you are and what you want, and you thought that, that reading books and going to lectures would make your life better, but the topics seem to be dull and disconnected from your uh, confusion. And so you feel like your life is lacking direction, and that means it's lacking meaning. You know, let's say uh, you're, you're working in a, a, a big organization or a big uh, corporation and you're earning a pretty good sum of money every week, but the work doesn't seem important. And, and, and that means there's two things, that you don't seem to be making any great difference in anyone's life and also there's no profound part of you that you're able to bring to uh, your work. And so it, you may as well be a robot. And so it's meaningless. And a lot of people have these common issues about meaning in life. You know, there's really very important meaning in things like communication. You know, we are by nature isolated creatures, and it appears that some of our most meaningful moments are to do with instances of connection with a, a lover, for example. We reveal our intimate physical and psychological selves. We form friendships with where substantial truths about our respective lives can be shared. We take a stab at trusting. We take a leap of faith to be in a relationship with someone. And when we strike up that conversation with, let's say, a stranger, we feel a thrilling sense of victory over linguistic and cultural barriers. And so that's an important thing to think about. Or, or when we're touched by a, a movie or a book, you know, or a song, you know, that just puts your, it, its finger right on an emotion that we're having. You know, that can be a very meaningful moment. And there, then there's the meaning that emerged with understanding. And this is about the pleasure that could be felt whenever we correct confusion and puzzlement about ourselves and the world. You know, when we finally decide on what we're going to do with our life, when we finally decide who we're going to be with, when we finally decide on a house, on a, on, a, on a new car, on having children, you know, these are important things. And once we come to an understanding that that's going to be incorporated into our life, that's incredible. You know, maybe you have understanding from your work, like being an, an uh, economist or a poet or, or a, a person uh, uh, like a patient in psychotherapy. You know, the pleasure with our activity stems from a common ability to map and make sense of what was once painfully unfamiliar and strange. Also, there's service, and that means that it's not about you. That means our life, and that's the beginning of Rick Warren's The Purpose, uh, uh, Living a, a, a Purposeful Life, is that <laughs> the service of other people and helping other people and finding ways that we meet other people's needs can be a very powerful thing, creating a lot of meaning in our life. You know, when we serve other people and try to improve their lives, either by alleviating sources of suffering or generating new sources of pleasure, we might be working as a surgeon uh, where every day of the meaning of our jobs or in the company that's making a, a, a modest but real difference in people's lives by helping them get a better night's sleep or, you know, delivering food or whatever, finding their keys, you know, being able to uh, help them in times of need. 
you know, that's a very important thing. One should add, in order for service to feel meaningful, it has to be in sync with our native, sincere interests. And that means that we are legitimately there and present with our sincere interest. And when we have sincere interest, we have meaning. And not everyone will find medicine or social work or ballet or graphic design meaningful. It's a case of knowing enough about ourselves to find our particular path of service. Maybe it's being a bus driver. You know, maybe maybe it's being a teacher. But with that, we serve and that creates meaning. And, and with uh, those kind of ideas, we can move towards defining nothing less than the meaning of life uh, uh, to, is to pursue human flourishing through humans flourishing through communication, understanding, and service. And in order to have meaningful lives, we can also see that certain things we need to be in a play. We need to have relationships with other people, not necessarily romantic, it, but con <clears throat> connections of some kind where the important things are shared. And it might, of course, be relationships with uh, a movie, a book, or a song. And lastly, we need to have good work, which means a, a, a world filled with business and organizations geared towards not just profit, but the assistance and genuine improvement of, human, of the human race. In addition, we need to help people to discover their own particular inner tune that can put their their lives to work so that people aren't just serving but they're serving in a way that taps into their heartfelt soul, passion, their interests. You know, in an area of understanding, it's a lack of, uh, of, uh, <laughs> of good media, uh, you know, a suspicion of introspection or psychotherapy or a pompous, you know, disconnected academic world. These, if we're looking at it from that perspective, if we're looking at certain things from that perspective, they no longer have meaning. You know, it, it, it's it, people are also over concerned for money, you know, and, and that puts a focus on financial gain over genuine needs of other people. And it's overly uh, large systems in which individuals get lost. And, you know, even a church, if it goes over 125 people, it's too big because it loses its sense of community. It may gain in resources, it may gain in money, it may gain in entertainment, but it may not gain in the sense of connectedness and meaning that people have in that relationship. You know, to build a more meaningful world, we have to place the emphasis on emotional education, on community, on a culture's introspection, and on a more honest kind of capitalism. Actually, uh, <laughs> What would be nice is to get back to capitalism instead of socialism, which is what we have. We have a parent government telling us what to do as children. Nobody likes that. That's why nobody that all these people are opposed to the vaccine. It's not the vaccine itself. It's having been told like a child what you have to do. Unfortunately, that's where our government is. You know, your life purpose consists of a central motivating aim of your life. And that means you have to get in tune with your purpose and with your passion. You know, why are you going to get up in the morning? You know, purpose can guide your life decisions. It can influence behavior. It can shape goals over a sense of direction. It can create meaning because now you're influencing other people. And that can be a very powerful thing. For some people, purpose is connected to their, their job 
um, they're, they're, they want meaningful, satisfying work. For others, their purpose lies in their responsibilities to their families and friends. Others seek meaning through spirituality, religious beliefs. Some people may find their purpose clearly expressed in all of these aspects. But purpose will be unique for every person. And what you identify as your path may be different from others. What's more, your purpose can actually shift and change. And so here are the questions that you might have to ask yourself to find a purpose. Who am I? Where do I belong? When do I feel fulfilled? Some people feel hesitant about pursuing their life's purpose because they worry that it sounds like a self-serving or a selfish quest. However, the true purpose is about recognizing your own gifts and using those gifts to contribute to other people's lives all over the world if you can. And whether those gifts are playing music uh, that other people enjoy or helping friends solve problems or, or, or simply bringing more joy to the lives of those around you, you know, genuine purpose points to the end of a self-absorbed, self-serving relationship to life. When your authentic purpose becomes clear, you'll be able to share it with the whole world and the whole world will be able to give back to you because they know what your purpose is and they know what you're wanting to do with your life. They know your decision making simply by finding that purpose. And that means it's easier to buy you gifts. It's easier to contribute to your life because you have purpose. You know, questions about life's purpose arise any time in life. But you may notice that they're especially prevalent during times of transition or crisis. For example, a career or an education change or a personal loss or a long-distance move. All of these can be great big crises. But our life can be seen as a nautilus that, that adds new chambers to its shell and it grows and it needs more space. Likewise, you know, as people grow into different phase of life, their old chambers can feel cramped. And so they begin like a hermit crab, you know, to begin to, to ask what they can do to expand. You know, moving into new places opens up the way for new possibilities to emerge and allowing life's purpose to evolve. And that's what it might do. You may start here but end up there. You may start as a nurse and end up being a doctor. You may start as a, a, a real estate agent and end up being a psychologist or something. I don't know. But, you know, this is the kind of things that happen. You know, this, this secret to a fully alive life is a reframing and a constant reframing and a constant refining of our life's questions over and over and over. And as we do, at different stages of our lives, we find different questions and different possibilities. And that can be a very important thing. You know, you might talk about the meaning of life is, is neither here nor there because life is merely a prelude to some form of eternal afterlife. And if you, if you will, it's purpose. It's afterlife is the purpose. If you, if you believe as a Christian, your afterlife is what you want this life to speak to. That's where you want it to take you, is to your afterlife. You know, if, if you look at uh, uh, Viktor Frankl for once, uh, Viktor Frankl wrote uh, Man's Search for Meaning, and he wrote about it as, uh, uh, from the ordeal of living in a concentration camp as an inmate during Second World War. He was a, a medical doctor, by the way, 
And, and Frankel basically found that those who survived the longest in the concentration camp were not those who were physically strong, but those who retained a sense of control over their environment. And that means they found meaning in being in the moment. That means they were making memories with other people, and the Nazis could not take those away because they stayed present. They didn't worry about, am I going to die? They didn't worry about, am I going to be sick? They stayed right there in that moment, and that created meaning. You know, the people who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. You know, they, they, they may have been few in number, but they offer a sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a person. But one thing, the last of human freedom is to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances and to choose your own way. And that comes from Viktor Frankl, by the way. And his, his message is, is one of hope. Even in the most absurd, painful, dispiriting of circumstances, life can still be given a meaning. And so too can suffering. And Viktor Frankl made that his testimony. He came to the United States and taught prisoners how to live in prison, brought the violence down enormously. And actually, these prisoners learned how to make a life in prison and have meaning in prison. It's a pretty amazing thing. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk more about the meaning of life. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the meaning of life. You know, I was talking about Viktor Frankl in the last segment at the very end, and I'm just going to finish because he really had some great insight. And he basically found that experiencing reality by interacting authentically with the environment and with other people, we, we're giving something back to the world uh, also through creativity and self-expression. And we have a duty to change our attitude when we're faced with a situation or circumstance that we cannot change. And that, my friends, is called resiliency. Resiliency means that something happens, we have an emotional reaction, but then we wait until we can logically respond. So we don't make decisions in the reaction. We want to make decisions in the response. And so that means that we're being fully present when we're dealing with the response rather than being all emotionally caught up in whatever's going on. Your attitude is really what can change your life. <clears throat> and, and, you know, the point Frankel said is not what we expect from life rather than what life expects from us. You know, uh, a lot of people feel that questioning the meaning of life is really dumb. And, uh, you know, and there's a lot of mainstream philosophy that actually believes that, especially in academic philosophy, you know, and, and a lot of people that are atheists believe there's no meaning in life. But the basic idea is, is that we have to understand the meaning of life has to do not with fear, not with the sense of loneliness, not like we're all alone in the world, but having faith and having relationships Having faith in our decisions, having faith in ourself, having faith in our partner, having faith in our friends, having faith that almost everyone is well-intended. There are a lot of people with bad intentions, but most often the people that interact with us in our life are well-intended. They may do bad things and have bad outcomes, but we really have to analyze intentions rather than outcomes. You know, the basic idea is uh, also a lot of people believe that uh, just, you know, just live. Don't think about your life, you know, and, and that can be kind of stupid, too. But a lot of kids think that's a popular thing, you know, that life, according to that answer, is meant to be lived. So dance, sing, hang out with friends, eat, drink, work, party, just do stuff. And this often translates into a anti-intellectual, anti-thought-driven, anti-philosophical, don't sit around and think about things too much, do something, but why? That is empty. Unfortunately, unfortunately, some people believe that that's the way to live your life. Just do whatever you want. You know, if you do whatever you want, uh, <laughs> life is whatever you want it to be. But do you know what you want? And that's the real big problem is a lot of people don't know what they want and number two, have trouble taking any responsibility. And then there's a lot of depressed people who procrastinate and put things off and they find that their life lacks meaning. You know, some people live in the what's right in front of you. They want the immediacy. That means they want to be able to react rather than to uh, respond. And so they look for whatever's in front of them so they don't overcomplicate things. That's why people like sports, because it's immediate. It's in your face. And then there's an outcome. Oh, my gosh. Also, some people look for a thing called happiness. 
Well, happiness is just one emotion. You know, you want to have peace in your life. Peace is what you want to go for. Happiness is about results. Happiness is all about getting the kind of results that you want to get. That is a very controlling thing, and it's very temporary because results happen and then we move on. So life itself is about process, and process is about peace, enjoying the moment you're in, enjoying the process. That's important. That's where peace is. And if people can find that, they can find meaning. Because when you have peace, you have access to all of your emotions. You're approachable. You can have relationships. And you're safe. Unfortunately, people that want to be happy are fear-based. And they're stressed out. And they, they think about their emotions rather than let their emotions fuel them to do hard things. So they, they want to put their emotions first rather than put their thoughts first. And that's kind of sad, but a lot of people live that way in their head, spinning and spinning like a gerbil, constantly spinning because they're trying to think about an emotion. Emotions are not logical. You don't try to deduce why you're feeling a, a certain way unless you want to spin yourself out of control because emotions are meant to emote move through. As a matter of fact, they don't last more than three minutes unless you put a why behind it. Then you keep adding three minutes every time you have to think about it. Analyticals drive themselves nuts. You know, also there's this thing called nihilism, which means there's no meaning. And from that perspective, uh, you know, this life is an aquarium of birth, copulation, and death, leading nowhere for no reason, all to no end. That life is absurd, Pointless, random accident. Everything uh, happens for no apparent reason. Everything in the world is eating everything else. Everything we see around us is either starting or further along in the process of decay. And there are no answers. It's just that. Now, go enjoy yourself. <laughs> right. You know, uh, it, it's, well, it, that, that hard nihilism, that there really aren't uh, too many hard nihilists out there, but there's a lot of soft nihilists out there, slightly more domesticated version. Uh, but these are people that are usually uh, about the death of God and question why we have to believe in God, question why there's meaning, question the Bible, question everything. And so they just tend to sit here in this miserable life uh, being miserable, you know, and, and uh you know, major religions of the world. Also, if we look at that, that a lot of people look at those as the elephant in the room. Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, you know, uh, Judaism, uh, Hinduism, Taoists, you know, they all offer answers, lots of answers on the meaning of life. And, and if you group them into a, a, a category like traditional religion, it's a very controversial thing. And it's very messy. And there seems to be no way around it, but pretty related folks could state the very good reasons for not doing this. But this isn't a, uh, you know, this is about life. This is about life. And spirituality is very important because we have a spirit and it has to be nurtured. And the people who allow their will to be eaten and destroyed lose their spirit and lose their meaning and lose their purpose. 
because they broke their will or they allowed someone to break their will. The will is what makes us do hard things and it makes us commit ourselves to this life because this life is about commitments and it is about learning and it is about experiencing. There's this thing that Frankel, uh, but he pulled it out of Kierkegaard, but it's called existent or yeah, existentialism. It means that create it yourself. And this is idea of meaning isn't something you discover; it's something you create. And the idea is that there's no meaning out there, in other words, but you can still make your life meaningful by what you do with your life. And like I said, it all goes back to relationships. Relationships, relationships, relationships with people, with places, with things, with memories, whatever. Relationships. If you have relationships, that means you have an emotional attachment. If you have an emotional attachment, there is meaning. That is where the meaning is. It's in an emotional attachment. Very important thing. You know, some people want to just burn things down. And they they want to just throw everything out. The basic idea is, is sometimes you 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 uh, build on the failure. Sometimes you build on success, whatever. And sometimes you just kill it. Sometimes you just annihilate. Look what happened to our government. They annihilated anything that was good out there. And look at what we got these days. You know, <laughs> some people since, uh, seem to spend their whole lives dissatisfied. Because they're searching for purpose or happiness. And if you're going to do that, you know, happy is a very hard emotion to sustain. It's great to have it, but to sustain it, it calls for peace. Peace allows you to access happy because you're more open to it. Unfortunately, when you're searching for happiness, the searching is a miserable journey. And it can be very disheartening. You know, people are mistaken when they feel their lives are meaningless. The error is based on their failure to recognize what does matter instead of becoming overly focused on what they believe is missing from their life. That, unfortunately, a lot of people feel lonely. They feel that something is missing in their life. Well, we all have things that are missing in our life because we're human. We don't have access to every single thing that would make us feel peaceful or happy. You know, if you're going to look for that, you're going to be gravely disappointed. You know, some people think their life's not meaningful enough. Many even present their lives as as uh, outright meaningless. You know, and a lot of people have found reasons to uh, to give for their uh, for their views. And they tie behind their views and they sit behind their views, which is fine because we all there's reality and then there's our frame up of reality and we live within our frame of reality. That's our perception of the truth. That's our perception of life. And when we live within that framework and understand that we are living in a perception, what we're often trying to do is gather knowledge that will validate our perception as being right. And so unfortunately, a lot of people feel that their meaning comes from the need to be right. Unfortunately, not everybody is right. And unfortunately, people become horrible listeners where you can learn from each other. We need to learn from each other as people. That is such an important thing in life. You know, if you question the meaning of life, philosophers just go crazy. Uh, they, they are, they're just numerous and they're varied. 
you know, and, you know, if you look at uh, Frederick Nietzsche, for example, said the question itself was meaningless because in the midst of living, we're in no position to discern whether our lives matter. Stepping outside of the process of existence to answer it is impossible. You know, the other thing is when people have a perception of their truth, the facts that they look for in life is all about validating themselves. You know, if you think about meaning, you're thinking about memories, and that's our legacy. Memories are the thing that we leave behind that is our legacy. It's not the things. It's not our house. It's not our cars. It's not our money. That all goes away. The legacy is the memories we make with each other. That's how our life influences others beyond our life. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, naturalist camps that are, are uh, split over whether the human mind makes meaning or these conditions are absolute or universal. You know, objectivists argue that there's uh, absolute truths which have value, though they may not agree on what they are. For example, some say creativity offers purpose, while others believe that virtue or moral life uh, uh, confers meaning. But I will tell you this, integrity means everything because people that are the same behind the scenes as they are when, when they're in front of people, people that are the same can be trusted. They can be counted on because they're consistent. They're consistent all the way across the board. And what's important is as you get older, integrity is the one thing that makes people still seek you. Because as we get old and stinky, it's harder and harder to have to deal with us and our story, our repeat stories and all that crap that old people do, like me. And, you know, the bottom line is, is that we as folks, as we as people, we, we really need to think in terms of being holistically present and, 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 and join relationships with a commitment to be there with that person. You know, uh, meaning also uh, uh, subjectivists look at it as meaning happens through cognition. You know, it can, it can come from a number of sources, like it's um, that uh, creativity or morality are independent sources of meaning. But also the sources, uh, uh, for example, could consider making an intellectual discovery or rearing children with love or playing music or developing really good athletic abilities. That can have meaning. You know, it's, it's really important to reframe your mindset, and it's really important to understand what is important in your life, you know, and finding purpose. You know, uh, there are, are, are approaches, like uh, Casey uh, uh, Woodling, a professor of philosophy and religious studies at Coastal Carolina University in South Carolina, proposed that you know, in philosophy now, that the question of meaningfulness itself offers an answer. What makes a human life have meaning or significance is not mere living of life, but the reflecting on the living of life. Do you understand? That's memories. That's memories. So it's like this. A lot of people live like a vacationer. They'll go see the Eiffel Tower. I saw the Eiffel Tower. I saw the pyramids. I've seen this. I've seen that. I saw the Great Wall of China, whatever. I've seen it, seen it, seen it. Okay. But did you experience it? Did you really, did you travel to a, a, another country and really throw yourself into the culture 
and embellish yourself into the culture and actually make friends and develop relationships, maybe lifelong friends. That is what will make vacation real. That's what people really want in a vacation is experiences and memories with others. That creates a lot of significance. I remember going to Paris and my wife and I decided to uh, have a meal with an elderly couple. And so we met and it was, it was actually like a tour event. But what we did was we went to their house. We just went to their house and we had dinner. And we, we, the, the tour company brought the dinner so they didn't have to cook it. But the bottom line was, is we got to chat with them in their home, talk about their family, talk about their life, talk about our lives, talk about what we want, what they did, what, you know, and it was just incredible experience. Probably one of the most powerful experiences we had in Paris was being able to meet up with these old folks. And they had what's called an espresso coffee, which was really cool because we didn't know about it. And uh, we're still to this day drinking espresso coffee from our Nespresso coffee maker. And yes, it's popular now in the United States. But what was interesting is we knew nothing about it, but that influenced our life just right there, just right there. If we didn't have dinner with them, we probably never would have vested in that thought process. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the meaning of life. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft 
at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the meaning of life. And, you know, each person is questioned by life. And they can only answer to life by answering for their own life. And, you know, to life, a person can only respond by being responsible. And so if we look throughout history, especially modern history, one of the questions that that people have always asked is, what is the meaning of life? And, And we are hungry for meaning, for purpose, for feeling that our life is worth more than the sum of its parts, worth more than what it was when we started. You know, luckily, humans are very resourceful. We have infinite ways of finding meaning, infinite potential resources of meaning. We can find meaning in every scenario, every event, every occurrence, every context, if we're willing to allow ourselves to vulnerably be in the moment. We can find meaning in sublime, the absurd, the dull, the dreary, you know, the, the wretched. We can. We, we really intuitively know that we want meaning in our lives and that meaning helps us thrive. But we rarely stop to ask, why do we need meaning? Why does meaning affect us? What is meaning? You know, and if you think about that, you really want to go to the definition of meaning. And it's an adjective. It means intentioned, full of significance, expressive. These definitions of meaning should be familiar to you. These are the definitions that apply when we say things like, what did he mean when he said that? And the meaning was lost on her. You know, of course, there are deeper levels of meaning. You know, meaning is, is, is uh, what a word or an action or a concept is all about. It's about its into it's 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 what is it? What's its intention? What's its purpose? You know, and we're always looking for that. You know, moving. You know, when you read a poem, you try to figure out the author's intended meaning by interpreting the words. Uh, for example, if a poet describes love as a, a prison, you might interpret the meaning of his feeling confined by his love or in a miserable relationship. You know, it's so so meaning is something that is derived something we share, something we can create. But once again, it has to do with relationships and diving deep into relationships and committing to relationships, having faith in another person. You may not trust them, but the bridge to trust is faith. So give them faith. Give them faith that they're going to be who they are until you see something different and learn from it. And move on if you have to. You know, you, we don't want to surround ourselves with people that have bad habits and, and terrible ways of talking because we're going to, by our human nature, gravitate to their level and not be who we are. You know, so you want to surround yourself. If you're, in a, if you're in a group of people, if you're in a room full of people and you feel like you're smarter than them, go to the next room where you're not the smartest, where you're the least smartest so you can learn from the other folks. That's meaning. That's faith is stepping into something of, that we are not an expert at and submitting ourselves to others and learning from other people. You know, meaning can be described, defined, considered in a whole lot of ways. And, and you know, if all that happens, uh, then we get to theories and then we get to philosophies. And if you haven't, uh, you know, if you haven't been scared on, you know, let's talk about philosophical meaning. Life has no meaning. Each of us has meaning and we bring it to life. It's a waste 
by being asked the question when you are the answer. And that's a philosopher named Joseph Campbell. And, and as you can possibly imagine, philosophers have spent countless hours considering the concept of meaning as well as the meaning of meaning. Uh, you know, a lot of theories of meaning have been put forth over, over a lot of centuries. And as humans, we struggle to come to some kind of coherent understanding of what meaning is or how it's made or how it can be found. However, none of these theories have proposed that, that, that the answers that, that are, are, the answers are bigger than their theories. You know, some answer one or two questions, but not all of the philosophies really come to a full understanding of what meaning. And then there you have theories of meaning, like modernism. Generally, it's considered to be the reigning perspective on life, meaning it, it comes from basically the 17th and 20th centuries. Uh, it, it was a sharp departure uh, from mysticism and reliance on the supernatural that dominated the world at that time. And now it has its emphasis on out with the old, in with the new. And modernists question the significance of traditions and anything that we gained or learned through traditional means. And guess what? We're entering a new period of modernism. Throw out the old, in with the new. And the in with the new don't look too good, I'll tell you that much. But the innovation and the staggering discoveries of the 1900s, you know, put the world into new possibilities, which was good. And Einstein's relativity, you know, reinforced the idea that life and humanity were uh, more nuanced than they'd ever considered. And reason and logic replaced religion and superstition. So that was a good thing. That was a good thing of modernism. And it spawned a lot of theories and a lot of perspectives that challenged the wisdom of tradition and conformity and uh, the doctrine of religions. And then there's this logical positivism. And, and that came out during the 1900s, early 1900s. And that rose from World War I. And they tried to make some sense of this, uh, you know, world that was in chaos at the time, and they considered the meaning and knowledge to be grounded in logical scientific roots, and they believed in the verifiable positions and uh, shunned the things that were faith-based, unobservable. And so it basically moved a lot of people into the thoughts of atheism and agnostic. And so, you know, it's just they wanted everything to be factual and verified. And they had analytical things which derived meaning from the words and the structures that co compromised them. You know, the metaphysical, the aesthetic, the ethical statements, which only appeal to emotion and contain no intellectual contact, were pushed away. And so they wanted uh, verification. And then there was postmodernism. And, and that had meaning as, as not absolute or formed by empirical observation. And for that theory, uh, it rejected the idea of absolute truth, verifiable facts, believing instead of that meaning can be discovered in a wide variety of places from just about any source. And they were suspicious of strict adherence to logic and disagreed that there was objective reality uh, in human beings. And every human was free to discover their own meaning. And that's where that came from. And then, as we talked about before, existentialism. And that's a theory that was related to postmodernism and that meaning is subjective and there's no universal code or moral authority. 
However, it departs from postmodernism that it insists that there's no inherent meaning. Existentialism basically says that each human creates his own meaning rather than finding meaning in the world around him. And so that means that a person derives their own personal connections with life. And that's where they find their significance. You know, there's a lot of research, a lot of research. You know, but if you look at Frankel's uh, meaning-seeking model, he spent his life on this. And he said basically that everything could be taken from a person but the last of their freedom. To choose your own attitude, as we said before, uh, given our circumstances. And, and, you know, his search for meaning was uh, a foundation. And it showed that people were safer. People lived longer when they accepted the idea that they would have the attitude of being in the moment, being connected with others, the willingness to submit themselves to other people's lives and put themselves in a connected, responsible relationship with other people in the moment. And each individual, he believed, had internal resources to use in their health, in their core, in their passion, in their purpose. And that life is the opportunity for that soul to give itself meaning. And I always say this, we're souls living a human life. We have, yes, our human cavity, but the soul is what propels us, our will. And it can be broken. It can be broken. And so we have to take very good care of our soul. We have to have meaning in our life to propel us. That means we have to allow ourselves to experientially learn, to take leaps of faith and embrace faith, which is gray, rather than embrace a black and white life. If you're gonna seek a black and white life, you're gonna put every, a label on everything you see and you never will truly experience it. And so you have to be very careful with how we do things. You know, uh, there was this uh, 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 assimilation and uh, versus accommodation uh, theory. And when a purpose has encountered a stressful event, uh, uh, their global meaning does not match their appraised meaning of the situation. So something has to change. You know, uh, for instance, if, if you are in Japan, for instance, they historically have accepted uh, people committing suicide as an honorable thing especially when they've lost their honor, lost their job, lost whatever, lost respect. To commit suicide is honorable. In the United States, that's not an honorable thing. It's a gutless thing to do. And it, it, it creates a whole lot of suicide in other people that you're related to and they're friends with you because now they have to accept the concept of suicide. And that makes them think about it. And so people that have suicide in their lives tend to have suicide later on with their children, with their grandchildren, and on and on and on. They just pass it on like crazy. So, you know, there's just two, there's, all of us have different views of what's right and wrong. All of us have meaning behind different rights and wrongs. But it's important for us to understand that we have an emotional attachment to almost every single thing we communicate and almost every single thing we talk about. And so what's really important, if you wanna make friends and connect with people, you have to understand that you have to acknowledge their emotional attachment to whatever they're talking about by validating it. So you feel, you think, I get it, I okay, so you, th this is important to you. Okay, acknowledging that, 
that it's a passion. That's great. Now we can go logic to logic. But if you try to answer emotion with logic, you're not going to have relationships. You don't answer emotion with logic. You don't answer emotion with trying to be right. You validate emotion and then get to logic. That's how we do it. But a lot of people don't do that. They, they, for years and years and years in their marriage or in their relationships with other people or stuck with them, they have to have to be right. They don't want to acknowledge emotion. Emotion is just can't be accounted for. No, no, it needs to be validated. That's what makes us human, and that's what creates meaning. And therefore, we have to understand that what emotion a person is communicating is dictating the meaning of the topic to them. That's a very important thing to understand. The meaning of a person comes from their emotional attachment to what they are talking about. Important for us to remember that. Honor it. Allow a person to feel that it's safe to communicate their emotions. You know, there's this cognitive process which focuses on the processing of information from a stressful event or reevaluating or reworking your beliefs, but emotional processing is more focused on experiencing and exploring your own emotions about the stressful event because once we get through the emotions, now we can get more to the logic. You have to process the emotions first. You know, the, the meaning-making process can lead to a whole lot of discoveries and of different forms, the sense of having made sense or come to an understanding of why a stressful event happened. Well, it happened because that's what you had to learn from. It's really important how you respond, not how you react to what happens. You know, look at the intentions. Look at intentions. That's where the land of forgiveness is. What and how? Those are important questions. Why is a horrible question because it's motive-based. So what or how made you decide to do this? Now we're looking at the process rather than the outcome. You know, it's 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 really important to reappraise the meaning of stressors and bringing the experience in line with your own global meaning. You know, it's really important to understand what your beliefs are in the world. These are – beliefs are meaningful. Beliefs are meaning. And so we as people really need to grab onto that. All right. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. You know, I love hearing from you. And you can do that at, at our webpage, voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, the meaning of life is to have as much fun as you can before you're sent to hell. Also – To find the meaning of life, shut down all your cell phones. Also, people cry not because they're weak, but because they have been strong for way too long. Thank you for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 